I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my Big Bag of Onions. The government to California, broken hearts and bars unknown. This night we'll share a lover On that dark radio How the soul may be so lonely Hands pressed cold against the phone See all the stars I would say that the blame was 
This year, we took a look at the Sony Huron Wireless NCs, and though plenty of people were saying they were better than the Bose QC35s in every way, I was a little bit more skeptical. Something about them just didn't make them the clear winner to me. Since then, a lot of you guys have been commenting and telling me to take a look at the Sony MDR-1000Xs, and man, I'm glad I did. The box is just a standard Sony box with a picture of the headphones on the front, but when you open it, you're greeted with a hard shell carrying case. In there is where you'll find the headphones. You'll also get a 3.5mm audio cable, a micro USB charging cable, and an airplane adapter. Then there's all the paperwork, consisting of the instruction booklet and warranty information. Overall, these have a pretty similar design to the Huron wireless NCs that we looked at, but the one key difference that you'll find is on the outside of the ear cups. Where the Hurons were entirely plastic, these have a synthetic leather covering the ear cups. It's not real leather, but it does have a subtle smell that kind of reminds me of shoe shine polish. That fake leather is mirrored in the ear cups and the headband where it's stuffed with a really comfortable foam padding. I had no problem listening to these for hours at a time without discomfort. Towards the top of the ear cups are two small microphones that help with the active noise cancelling and the ambient mode. More on that later. The ear cups do rock back and forth slightly so you can get the best fit possible, but they also rotate 90 degrees and fold flat. Along the bottom of the left ear cup, you'll find a 3.5mm input as well as the power, active noise cancelling, and ambient sound buttons, all of which have tiny grooves on them to help you easily distinguish between them when you're wearing them. The right ear cup only has a micro USB port for charging and a tiny microphone. Though the headphones do feel pretty solid, I wouldn't go as far as saying that they're durable.
So, I am 27 weeks pregnant and starting to have contractions. I am on the bus, on my way to the hospital. The driver is aware of this. I pull the buzzer to get off the bus and start walking to the door. Driver, to me, you sit back down. To the rest of the bus, is anyone going to need any of the next four stops? Because if so, I suggest you get off now as we are detouring. The driver then takes us directly to the hospital. He stops the bus, gets out of his seat, walks me down the steps and into the hospital. The next day, I am still in the hospital. I call up the transit office. Me. Hi, yes, I was on bus number yesterday evening and the driver detoured from his route for me. I just wanted to make sure he is not in trouble. Because of him, they were able to save the life of my unborn son. Transit employee. No worries, miss. We only got one complaint from a passenger. The driver called us as soon as he got back with everyone on the bus. He has been given a commendation for his actions yesterday.
listening to my big bag of onions. The story is about the man and his wife sitting having breakfast, very nice couple. And uh, Margaret said to John, uh, John, if I would die, would you get married right away after my death? But John said, well, that's the darndest thing. I've, here we, here's a, a beautiful morning and we're sitting here having a nice breakfast together and you bring up this terrible thing about death. I'm not going to talk to you. That's a terrible thing to do, Margaret. And, and uh, I forget about it, forget about it. But she didn't forget about it and she brought the same thing up that night. And uh, he did the same thing. And then for about three days, she, she said, now, what, if I would die, would you get married? Finally, he gave up and he said, he said yes, I would. Now, is that settled? She said, would you sell the house? He said, uh, no. I said, no, I wouldn't sell the house. She said, would you sell our bed? He said, no. No, I wouldn't. It's uh, our bed. Is, uh, I, I don't see any reason why. No, I wouldn't sell the bed. She said, well, you certainly wouldn't let her touch my golf clubs. And he said, no. No, she, she's left-handed. Shakes the barley, it will not shake me. The wind that shakes the barley, it will not shake me. The wind that shakes the barley won't shake me. Like my mama told me, this I know and I see. With a fire that takes a kindling Will not take me The fire that takes a kindling Will not take me The fire that takes a kindling Won't take me Like my mama told me This I know and I see
the dawn breaks, it will not burn me the dark before the dawn breaks, it will not burn me the dark before the dawn breaks, will not find me like my mama told me this I sure know when I see. Shakes the barley, it will not shake me. The wind that shakes the barley, it will not shake me. The wind that shakes the barley won't shake me like my mama told me. This I know and I see. Christmas with you like we were going to. It looks that way, I'm afraid. But we were going to do loads of things together. Oh, what a shame. I know. Oh, what will the two boys say? They won't be able to go home either. Well, what are you going to do, Anne? I don't know. It's miserable. Let me see what else Daddy has to say. I know. You could come and stay with me at Kieran Cottage instead. I'm sure my mother would love to have you again. We had such fun when you came for the summer halls. But that's exactly what we're to do. What do you mean? Daddy's already arranged it with your mother. We're to... Oh, no. What? We're to have a tutor, too. Why on earth do you need a tutor? It seems Julian and Dick have been ill with the flu this term, so they've gotten behind with their work. Oh, blow, blow. A tutor? How sickening! I've got the feeling but I ain't got the skill and I don't like your suggestion Will you still love me when I'm over the hill? Here's another stupid question 
Listen, um, listen hard and well. I delivered pizza for a couple years after high school. We knew who tipped and who didn't. Guess whose order got bumped to the top of my route whenever possible. But from time to time, I did get a heartfelt apology on why they couldn't tip more. I got one such apology from someone that still sticks out in my mind. It was a man in a small, unkept house. 
at least on the outside, who had ordered a small cheese pizza. He was profusely apologetic that he could only tip $1, still not a no-tip like some other more well-off people. Then I saw through the door to the kitchen all four kids and a teenager that were waiting anxiously for their pizza. Six people sharing a small pizza because that was all they could afford. It broke my heart. My shift was just about over, so I went back to cash out and made two large pizzas, wings, chicken tenders, grabbed some sodas, the whole nine. It looked like this grown man was going to burst into tears when I gave it to him. He was just super appreciative. He offered to come down and pay for it all another day, which I flat out refused. Yeah, I didn't do anything to get them out of their situation, and it was the restaurant footing the bill anyway. But my hope is that he remembers that, and maybe his kids learned that when you treat someone like a human being, good things can happen. Speaking to me, I loosen my grip.
Mrs. Nesbitt is famed uh, for being the most loathed cook in White House history. She was a homemaker in Hyde Park, New York, which is where Eleanor Roosevelt met her. And she hired her to do some baking. And then when FDR became president, she thought, oh no, here her source of income was going to dry up. She writes about this in a memoir. She was uh, sitting in her kitchen one day, and who should come walking up the path but Eleanor, wife of the soon-to-be-inaugurated president, came in and said, Mrs. Nesbitt, I need a housekeeper in the White House. I don't want some professional. I want you. I want a woman that I know and that I trust. And Mrs. Nesbitt quoted that line very carefully because she was so heavily criticized for the next 12 years for being, in fact, a rank amateur. You just, you can see her being very careful when she wrote that memoir to say, they wanted me. She chose me. She knew exactly what she was getting, and she chose me. Ed, what's the name of this uh, radio program that I've been making? I don't know. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Are you sure? Yes. Just relax. 
A woman in her 50s arrives at her seat on a fully boarded plane. She sees that a black man is seated just next to her. Disgusted, she asks a flight attendant to change seats, explaining the reason for her discomfort. The attendant replies, okay, let me see if I can work something out. A few minutes later, the attendant returns. Attendant, unfortunately, we have no economy class seats available. We do fortunately have one seat left over in first class. This is usually against policy, but no one should be forced to sit next to such a disgusting person. So the captain is willing to make an exception. Before the woman has a chance to respond, the attendant turns to the black man and says, Sir, please grab your personal belongings and follow me. The captain insists that you should not be seated next to this horrible woman. The passengers start to applaud, standing up in support as the man and attendant walks towards the first-class cabin. You're listening to My Big Bag of Onions.
Dunnocks have small territories, so it was possible to measure the amount of human disturbance in a given territory with reasonable precision. And by ringing each of the Dunnocks in the garden with color-coded bands, it was possible to identify individuals by sight. Altogether, the researchers looked at 99 of them. They worked out a bird's level of threat tolerance by the simple expedient of having one of their number, as far as possible the same person each time, walk towards it and then measuring how close that individual could get before the bird flew away. They did this several times for each bird every breeding season and repeated the process over the course of three seasons. A particular bird's flight distance, i.e. how closely it could be approached before it departed, was, they found, constant within a breeding season. From season to season, most birds got a little bolder, presumably as they learnt more about the world and what they could safely get away with. But this increase in boldness with age was small compared with the different starting points of bold and timid birds when they first arrived in a territory. It did not, therefore, much affect the fact that, on average, birds' flight distances were inversely correlated with the level of human disturbance in their territories. This was a consequence of disturbed territories being settled by bold birds and undisturbed territories by shy ones.
Anda sedang mendengarkan sebuah tas besar penuh dengan onions yang punya bill. Farmer Steve decided his injuries from the accident were serious enough to take the trucking company responsible for the accident to court. In court, the trucking company's fancy lawyer interrogated Farmer Steve. Didn't you say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? Asked the lawyer. Farmer Steve responded, Well, I'll tell you what happened. I had just loaded my favorite mule, Susie, into the... I didn't ask for any details, the lawyer interrupted. Just answer the question. Did you not say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? Farmer Steve said, Well, I had just got Susie into the trailer, and I was driving down the road. The lawyer interrupted again and said, Judge, I'm trying to establish the fact that at the scene of the accident, this man told the highway patrolman on the scene that he was fine. Now, several weeks after the accident, he is trying to sue my client. I believe he is a fraud. Please tell him to simply answer the question. By this time, the judge was fairly interested in Farmer Steve's answer and said to the lawyer, I'd like to hear what he has to say. Farmer Steve thanked the judge and proceeded. Well, as I was saying, I had just loaded Susie into the trailer and was driving her down the highway when this huge semi-truck and trailer ran the stop sign and smacked my truck right in the side. I was thrown into one ditch and Susie was thrown into the other. I was hurting real bad and didn't want to move. However, I could hear old Susie's moaning and groaning. I knew she was in terrible shape just by her groans. Shortly after the accident, a highway patrolman came on the scene. He could hear Susie moaning and groaning, so he went over to her. After he looked at her, he took out his gun and shot her between the eyes. Then the patrolman came across the road with his gun in hand and looked at me. He said, your mule was in such bad shape, I had to shoot her. How are you feeling? Now, what the hell would you say? music and more from Cone Radio. Sending a sweet melody in 
this morning, I was driving my one-year-old child to the hospital because he was having a hard time breathing. I ended up getting pulled over by 9th and Nebraska Street due to having a taillight and license plate light out. As the deputy was telling me why he pulled me over, I explained to him where I was going. He opened up the back door to my vehicle and heard my son's labored breathing and told me to go ahead and get to the hospital. The officer that pulled me over was Deputy Kyle Cleveringa. He followed me to the hospital, helped me carry my things into the ER, offered to hold my son while I filled out paperwork, gave my son a stuffed toy truck, and was helping to comfort him by talking to him and giving him high fives. My family and I are very thankful for Deputy Cleveringa and everything he did for my son and me this morning. He went above and beyond, and I can't thank him enough. Could you please make sure he reads this and is made aware of how grateful we are that he pulled me over and helped me through that terrifying situation? Thank you so much, Kyle. Fine, don't 
it's fine Said to Join me again soon for another journey through the pleasures of music, words, and sound. Be seeing you. Bill's Big Bag of Onions has been produced and directed by Adrian Cohen and is a guppy production for Cone Radio.